Documentation. United States Army Intelligence Connection with the Satanic Church. On July 21st, 1981, the undersigned was contacted by Officer Sandy Daly, Intelligence Unit, San Francisco, California, Police Department. She related that in the course of an investigation of an alleged satanic cult known as the Temple of Set, she came across information that the leader of the group, Michael A. Aquino, date of birth 16th October 1946, 2430 Leavenworth Street, San Francisco, was allegedly a major in the U.S. Army Reserve associated with the military intelligence unit in the San Francisco area. Further, two other members of the group, a Dennis Mann and a Willie Browning, were also USAR officers associated with the military intelligence unit in the Los Angeles, California area. An informal check with RCPAC reveals that the roles of this cult contain personnel with the names indicated and that Aquino is a major armor and man and browning captain's military intelligence. Officer Daly was advised of the fact that a possibility existed that her information was accurate and that since it was not a criminal matter, military intelligence would be advised and they would likely contact her. She indicated a willingness to share any information which they had developed. Listeners, that is uh, a document from one of the craziest books ever written. <laughs> Behold a Pale Horse. Behold a Pale Horse by Milton William Cooper, which we talked about last week. Yes. And there's so much to talk about. We decided to break it up into two parts. I should have broke last week's episode into two parts. Yeah. I should have made it like a three-part like <laughs> series. I didn't want to do this. You know, a lot of podcasts do that. Like, the whole season will be... You could do a whole... Actually, you could, you do, a whole could do a whole season about this. Book. Yeah. But, um, but this is a document, chapter 17, in which he details... Uh, actually, he doesn't give his thoughts something we talked about in the first episode. He doesn't really write a whole lot. Uh, in this book, it's a collection of documents and, you know, supposed uh, s stories or, you know, experiences from other people. But uh, this particular one, this one looks legit. I think it looks legit, but it's a document that, as I stated in reading it during a police investigation into a satanic cult in the 80s, that... The police discovered that certain members of the group were indeed members of the military intelligence community. And this document is a declassified document showing the uh, the Army's investigation into it. Now, last week's episode, we we touched on, you know, the ideas of whether or not what he was saying was true, because some of the things in the book are very like, wow, that's, whoa, that's, yeah. very, that's, woo, that's super interesting. That's, and then some stuff's like, oh, okay, grandpa, time for, <laughs> time for bed, time for your meds. Uh, but this is, this is how you, this is how you do this. You put something in here, which looks, this document looks way more official than any other document in the book. And because it's actual photocopies of the document. In other chapters in which he details the document, it's like written like like he yeah, on page. essentially like copies the text, right? And this is actual 
photocopies. What I think this is, is I think this is a real document that became declassified, but there's nothing to it. Yeah. He's like, you know what? If I put this in my book, <laughs> we talked does. about, yeah, we talked about in the last episode how he's a content curator, right? Yeah. He like just finds other content and, and then says, hey, look at this weird document I found. And it, it looks like just reading through the document, the army was like, okay, yeah, well, they're whatever, dude. Like, thanks, cop lady. And, yeah. and that was it, right? Um, and plus, we know. During the 80s, we, we actually have a whole episode on the satanic panic, right? There mm-hmm. was a during the 80s, everyone worshiped Satan, right? Yeah, like, that's what the media said. Everybody was out killing children, and- yeah, sacrificing them and whatnot. So, um, there's a this the, the most interesting thing of this chapter is there's a memo that has uh, I can't tell if this is from the police or from the army, but it's a breakdown of the the actual cult. The, the Temple of Set. Um, and apparently it's a spinoff group from Anton LaVey's Church of Satan in San Francisco, which. I'll <laughs> 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 just see the look Alex just gave me. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I don't even think I need to say anything else about that. I'm like, okay. That's a deep cut. It talks about black masses. Oh, this uh, this is an interesting. Like, why why is this even in here? What is it? allegedly Aquino has sexual identity problems and is known to frequent prostitutes in San Francisco in order to become involved in various forms of sado masochistic sexual activities. What is that? It, it is believed that he is bisexual. Oh. It was it was the eighties. He has a sexual identity yeah. problem. He yeah. likes guys and ladies. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what? So. Um, Oh, and it even shows a newspaper. He even has a newspaper clipping from the Inquirer <laughs> about this. No, bro, you can't put no. that's from the Inquirer. No, it is. He looks like Dracula. He does look like Dracula. <laughs> Devil worshipper holds sensitive army post and bra- top brass say no problem. Yeah, because it's, it's probably like a bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, that's just one of the, the the crazy things that you're going to find in this book. I recommend to all of our listeners that you try and, and obtain a copy of this book. I know a lot of our listeners, people I've talked to when I told them what the episode was about, they were already like, oh, yeah, I've read the book a million times. Yeah. Right? But I put a poll uh, at the end of, you know, if you go, if you if you're listening on Spotify and you go back and listen to the episode, there's a poll at the bottom. Have you ever read the book? And a 75 percent of you said that you had not read wow. the book. Yeah. Um, so that's very interesting to me that people, a lot of people had never read the book. I'm wondering how I should have put, have you ever heard of the book? Yeah. Uh, rather than have you ever read it? But, um, but even then, you know, I think we, we still look at it in the lens of like, uh, how accessible it was to us, like kids kind of on the fringe of, uh, pop culture or whatever. Um, but I feel like even if I walked up to like 20 people now, just in real life that looked about, you know, our age bracket being like, hey, have you ever read this? They'd probably be like, no. Yeah, what are you talking about? Get out of my face. I, know. I, I, I am interested, though, if reading it now, if you've never read it, if the impact is different than when you're a stupid teenager, like yeah. I was when I read it. Like, yeah. oh, my God, the, the Illuminati is real. You know, and I still I don't think the Illuminati is real anymore, but. Some of the concepts and themes of that book, as we talked about in the last episode, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, I kind of job with that, right? Yeah. So um, knowing that some of the things he talks about in this in this book 
have you find out are true, like the CIA selling, excuse me, uh, pushing drugs into black neighborhoods in the 80s, MK Ultra coming out. Yeah. Find out that that's true. Although at, at the time this book was published, MK Ultra was had been declassified. But like when you if you go back and read this, knowing what you know now, like is the impact different like yeah well i i still think um and i know i said this in the first episode but that first chapter is silent weapons for quiet oh yeah, yeah. That, as an american that's the most important chapter you can read because he published this and keep in mind this was before the internet he published this and it has come out since his death that all the you know psychological warfare essentially that even just advertisers mm -hmm. you know use on us every single day or curated ads you know just things have transformed in this way uh that he couldn't have predicted but this chapter really kind of spells out for you and it's it's wild yeah i think that that the first chapter is definitely worth reading yeah. um it, it really is the rest when I say first chapter, I mean that that chapter Ali just spoke about. You could skip all the the, the autobiographical stuff. Yeah. Um, I if, mean, unless you're interested in. Well, as we spoke about, we don't even know if that's people just make up whatever. So, yeah, some of it seems. A little um, little yeah, whatever that. about himself, right? <laughs> so, um, but that, yeah, Silent Weapons for Silent Wars is not the name of a. Wu Tang album because that's what it sounds like. Like <laughs> there what there there is an album called. That. I think it's I think it is. I think yeah. it's, it might be it's a, not Wu Tang, but it's, it's Kill it's, Army. I yes. think which is yeah. they are associated with Wu Tang. Yeah, Kill, Kill Army. So um, yeah, Ali's a hip hop head. Y'all ain't know like she knows her Wu. <laughs> covert, covert. Um, so definitely worth reading. But th this week we want to talk, I guess, a little bit more about him because we could. I do want to. There are a few other interesting conspiracies I do want to cover from the book. We want to tell you, like, what happened to this guy. I don't know. Some yeah. of you guys who listened last week probably went on the internet and already know what happened to him, but we want to dig into that um, a, a little deeper. I do want to talk about, we, we didn't get to this last week, but his, his the Kennedy assassination. There's a whole section of Behold a Pearl Horse about the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. And um, he claims. <laughs> See, this is why, like, <laughs> stuff, like, there are certain parts of of the book i'm just like bro yeah yeah <laughs> so he he claims that kennedy was assassinated not because he had dealings with the mafia which is one of the theories uh not because the cia had brainwashed uh an operative to kill him not because the communists sent an assassin over he was killed because he was going to reveal that extraterrestrials were in the process of taking over the Earth. Yep. Uh, according to a top secret video of the assassination that Cooper, came to have, Cooper claimed to have discovered. By the way, only Cooper discovered this one yeah. secret video of the most popular assassination in the history of the world. Maybe. Which I feel like this is a man... Maybe there were some technological limitations, but this was a dude who was planning on what happened to him to happen. And it's like, if you're sitting on all this stuff, why wouldn't you find some way to release it post-mortem, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be the real. Where, where's the secret video? Why? Yeah. You know you're about to... We'll, we'll, we'll That's get the real to, we'll, we'll get to that. right there. Uh, he claims that in this video, the driver 
of the limousine, which was uh, Mr. William Greer, used, quote, a gas pressure device developed by aliens from the Trilateral Commission, whatever the fuck that is, right, to shoot the president from the driver's seat. Now, I can't, I can't hold it in anymore. Now, we know that the ballistics investigation from the Kennedy assassination is interesting, to say the least. Well, we all know about the magic bullet theory, the lone gunman. I want to know how good those ballistics how good they could be when people were trying to smoosh his brain back together. Exactly, like, yeah. The whole time. There's a lot that, that we don't... Yeah. Th- they got wrong, and, <laughs> and because th- they really botched... First of all, th- no one was expecting that to happen, and they just weren't prepared. They botched the autopsy, and yeah. they found out, and they just... You know, so the ballistics investigation was botched, too. So it allows you to say things like, well, the driver had a alien gas gun, like yeah, like uh, Anton from No Country for, for Old Men. You ever seen that, where he's killing no. people with the the gas pressure uh, cattle? Stop Man, it. You've never seen that movie? No. Man, it's, it's a, a Coen Brothers movie. It, one of, Is it? One of the, the best movie villains ever, ever. It, he's just cold and calculating but he uses a um he kills people with a uh like a it, it doesn't even exist they made it for the movie because no, i'm sorry i'm thinking about the silent shotgun but it's like a um a gas pressure bolt it fires like a bolt that's used to kill cattle yeah i was gonna right? say like, so yeah but he walks around and he just go, goes up to people and he puts it up against their forehead and presses Jesus button and kills them, right? great movie everyone watch no country for old men it's it is outstanding movie but anyway Apparently, the driver used like something like that, but the alien version from but the Trilateral Commission. If it's an alien that has achieved, you know, inter-universal travel, why the fuck would they have something that rudimentary? What would it not be like a phaser that would just disintegrate? Yeah, it had to look like a bullet, like, right? Had to, like, and we're gonna give it to the limo driver, not anybody around anybody him. else, right? Yeah, the aliens came to the William Greer and was like, "Look, man." <laughs> We got what? What do you offer? What do you offer him? What do you? What? You're the limo driver for the president, and aliens come down. And like we need you to kill this man. <laughs> well, I mean, as aliens, I guess um, there would be travel and see what right, okay, you haven't I, seen. Right. Um. So the Zapruder film, which is the most famous capture of the Kennedy yeah. assassination, it shows Greer, the driver. Uh, twice turning to look into the back seat of the car. Now, Cooper said that Greer first turned to assess the president's status after the external attack and then turned again to fire the fatal shot. Um, because of this conspiracy theory, I guess uh, a mountain of other conspiracy theories about the driver came to fruition or not to fruition, but came into people's imagination. Yeah. Like, like maybe it was the driver. Um, Cooper's video purporting to prove his theory was actually seen and analyzed by several television stations and video experts. And according to one source source was found to be a poor quality fake using parts of the Zat Ruder film. What? <laughs> so, so he like made this fake so ass. So he just drew like a gun in his hand. <laughs> yeah. 
like a big black blocky gun. Bam. <laughs> From the Trilateral Commission. What is the... Tr- I need someone out there to tell me what the Trilateral Commission is. Um, he might... Now, there is a section of the book specifically about Area 51. Uh, by the way, I do tell an Area... Fi- not a 51 story. It's an Area 5 story uh, in, in the first... Uh, First part of the podcast from last week. But, um, yeah, he never explains what the Trilateral Commission is. I don't, I, I don't know. And, and look, here's the thing. So, if they kill Kennedy because he was about to expose their plot and they succeeded, how come they didn't carry out their plot? Yeah. Was it like... Or are they... I mean, that was, I mean, I mean, Kennedy died, what, 60 years ago? Yeah. They're waiting? There's something that's theorized that, like, we were given the internet by aliens, and mm-hmm. a lot of our, like, technological advances have come from aliens, but, I mean, I you feel know, like I, aliens would not give us the internet. I do kind of, I kind of believe... It's just that the, the pace at which technology grows as as society evolves is is great. Let's look at cell phone technology. Yeah. Look at where it was 10 years ago. Oh, you mean like the chocolate? Right, yeah. And then <laughs> look at where it was 10 years before that and 10 years before that. Yeah. Like it, it like advances like very, very quickly. Even internet technology, those of you guys who are tech nerds, like, you know, I work in IT, so I know how that technology works. It's just amazing that, like, we can just keep compressing data to the point where it's we can almost move it instantaneously across the world. Like, where did, I don't know, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if aliens came down and was like, all right, guys. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hook you up here. <laughs> we slip a little like. But but to what end though? That's what I understand. Yeah. Like, if the aliens were that worried about Kennedy, well, because if you're if you're in a position where you're that technologically advanced over this civilization, and you want to subjugate the people on this planet for whatever reason, right? Some of them claim it's for breeding, some of it's for work, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So like, but you're already in a position of power, right? You could even come to the table on friendly terms, covertly, you know, plotting to eventually overthrow all of this without having to directly get into a war. And I don't think that it would even, you wouldn't have to like milk the whole thing over decades, right? You right, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's such a reach. If aliens wanted to invade the earth, they would just come down and invade the earth. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be like, oh, we need to assassinate the president of the United States. If, if America can conduct wars with zero casualties on our side because they can do it remotely, exactly. what the fuck do you think aliens <laughs> Yeah, do? exactly. Like, <laughs> Here we get, we gotta find the limo driver guys and give him this gas powered <laughs> magic assassinator hey, weapon. Do you have the bottle of um you like hydrogen right? right like yeah. not the weird shit we pulled from our galaxy, but it's got to be from here and it's got to be very minute in pressure, poof like that, and you just shoot it into somebody's brain and they'd be like, "That's it, yep. Stone Age technology to us, bro." And they'd be like, "No, we got to do it for Earth. It's for Earth." I I, I just don't get it. That, I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna call that one. That's a <laughs> That's a thumbs down. 
Bill Cooper. <laughs> we don't we don't like that one. Okay. Uh now he he had a radio show. Yes. From 1992 and he ran it from 1992 all the way to November 2001 uh, yeah. to his death. Uh called The Hour of Time. Uh he ran it from a studio in his house in Eager, Arizona. Um he sent his show it, it was crazy. He actually sent his show out to people via audio cassette to some people. Um a direct telephone link uh or satellite patch to WWCR in Nashville and it was broadcast by a shortwave transmitter. So a lot of people are actually able to listen to this. Um he was well known within the and here and here's we talked about this a little last week. He was well known within the militia movement for his anti-government radio program. And Oklahoma Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh was reportedly a fan. We talked about that some last week, how they, you know, they were known um, readers of the book, Behold a Pale Horse. Yeah. Um, And McVeigh was reported to have ordered directly from Bill Cooper uh, a cassette or an episode about Waco, Texas. Um, And... In 1993, Cooper broadcast some conspiracy theories about the uh, Waco siege. Uh, He believed it to be the opening battle in a new civil war. And uh, and then he was good friends with Alec Jones. He was um, in the early episodes of Alec Jones radio show. Briefly. Yeah. <laughs> and then he called him uh, what, a fucking what hack. What civil war did he think was going to happen with Waco? That's okay. Because that was. Civil war between who? Well, I guess, well, the United States, obviously, but I guess militias and the federal government. But the thing, like, the more you know about what happened in that cult and, like. He was raping kids. Yeah. Who's going to be on board with that shit? Yeah, I'm I'm not. Okay. The worst thing that happened about Waco was that children died. Yeah. But I believe the cult killed those children. I I don't it, think it's clear if who killed them. I'll say this. The Fed should, uh, no, I, here, regardless of what happened, I'm going to place the blame on the cult. I'll tell you why. They knew what they were doing in there. We're, let, let's not even talk about illegally stockpiling weapons because a lot of people feel like that's subject for debate. Okay, yeah, whatever, I guess. But they were they were raping kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the ATF, you know, you know you're raping kids. And the ATF shows up at your door. If you do anything but surrender, whatever happens after that Everyone's is on you. Everyone's gonna die. Right. Yeah. Like that is a you. You shoot. A you shoot at the feds, and they shoot back, and then somehow the place catches on fire. No one. No one knows how, and a bunch of kids die. And 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 now oh, it's the feds' fault. I mean, we've seen what happens with cults when they're back and gets a corner, right? Oh yeah, it goes nuclear. Yeah, mass suicides. And and whatnot. It wouldn't surprise me if they said we're gonna burn this down and we're gonna make it look like the feds. We're gonna be martyrs. Yeah. Or you know, I this, mean, that's, this movement. That's a right? cult leader move for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no survivors left to to tell what really happened. I mean, there are a few survivors, but none at at the you know the level of David Koresh and his inner circle. Right. Yeah. So, I, I to me, this feels like 
content curation. Like he he's like, okay, I need to do something to give my listeners, right? Kind of like how we do on Disquietude, right? I need something <laughs> to give my listeners. Ah, Waco. Boy, I bet he was so happy when that shit happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's definitely content for sure. It's just, it's, I think it's so wild to me how American culture has progressed in such a short amount of time where people were so horrifically like devastated by the footage of Waco and it was such a controversy. Whereas like now we don't, either we don't hear about it or we hear about it and we go, yeah, okay. That's what I assumed. Right. (laughs) We're just so dead to it at this point. Um, also, all right, so this is the big one. This is the big, the big, big one, okay? Remember how last week we talked about how, like, Nostradamus would get one right every once in a while? <laughs> and I'll say for all of Bill Cooper's conspiracies, even the ones that seem bang on are a little, you got to reach a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit on some of them. However, June 28th, 2001, uh, he made a comment there was about an interview, uh, an interview that we've all seen of Osama bin Laden, you know, hiding out in Afghanistan. And Cooper in June said that Osama bin Laden would be blamed for a major attack on a large U.S. city, but don't you believe it? And then right after September 11th, he predicted the United States would soon be at war in two or maybe three countries. Now, there's two ways you could look at this. You could say, yep, he was 100% right. And he was right because he knows shit no one else knows because he's Bill Cooper, right? Or you can say, didn't, it seem, didn't that seem obvious to me? Like, okay, so for instance, most of the American public did not know who Osama bin Laden was before September 11th. Yeah. But I knew. You know how I knew? Because I was in the military. And everywhere I went, because I, I joined in 99, two years before September 11th, everywhere I went, overseas or in the sandbox, as we like to call it, in the Middle East, there were posters of this guy everywhere. It was known that Osama bin Laden was public enemy number one. The military community, the intelligence community, the federal community knew Osama bin Laden, mainly because al-Qaeda had also, uh, you know, sometime prior had attempted to blow up the World Trade Center. Yeah. It, it had been known that Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda had been carrying out terrorist attacks in the Middle East. So if you knew anything about Osama bin Laden, it wasn't a reach to say that an attack on a U.S. city would occur and he'd be blamed for it. Because, I mean, he already attacked a large U.S. city, right? Yeah. He already tried to blow up the World Trade Center once in 1993. And he wasn't blamed. I mean, they took credit for it, right? Yeah. So it's like, like how much of a reach was that to make? Well, and everyone who was over, you know, the age of 25 would know that at that time would know that like George Bush probably held a grudge against Saddam. Oh, yeah. And that, I mean, that was so apparent. We needed a way to get into Iraq. Yeah. We needed a way to get back into the Middle East. Yeah. Because at that time, a lot of people don't know this either. Because I didn't know this until I joined the military. We're, there were still conflicts happening. Uh, and I mean, like, 
conflicts happen, like stuff blowing up in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were flying no-fly zone missions over Iraq, and you know the United States Air Force. We just we didn't allow the like Iraqi military to fly. If we saw their planes, we shot them down. Um, they would fire at us with surface air missiles. We fire back. We'd blow up you know, these these radar sites and kill them. That that was like a little mini war that constantly went back and forth. But it wasn't enough for us. To go in and, and reinvade Iraq, right? Yeah. So we needed that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people know that September 11th was our end. But that, to my next point, was is it really so much of a stretch to say, hey, the U.S. is going to be in war, maybe two or three countries? We're always at war with two or three, two or three countries. countries. I don't know, because I feel like we kind of have that perspective because we you know, live through Y2K and everything. But like prior to that, well, what was, I mean, honestly, there's Operation Desert Storm, right? That was what, 80s to early 90s? Uh, Desert Storm was 1991. Yeah. And then before that, though, was it not just like the Korean War and Vietnam? Well, if we're talking major, major wars. Yeah. Okay. And so, yes, there was Korea, Vietnam, and then we didn't have a major war until the lead up to Desert Storm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Gulf War, the invasion of Kuwait, which happened in nine, from 90 to, to 1992. Um, but th- there had been a lot of military action, Cold War proxy stuff between the United States and Russia. Um, also, the United States and uh, Libya. You know, Gaddafi was not a huge fan of the United States, and he would antagonize, antagonize, excuse me, us in international waters, leading to a few incidents that really weren't weren't known to the public. These were mostly classified incidents until fairly recently. Uh, a lot of people don't know that the movie Top Gun, the the ending. So I don't know if for those of you who've seen the original Top Gun, you know they graduate Top Gun, and when they graduate. Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, they get called back to a ship because there's there was like this major international incident happening and they get launched off and, and they get in this big dog fight with <laughs> these MiGs from some undisclosed country and they shoot them down and they're all heroes. That actually happened. That that was based on an actual incident uh, that happened against Libya um, in which the United States was patrolling international waters. The Libyans were like, well, actually, the Libyans said, if you come below this particular line, they call it the line of death, then we'll attack you. Yeah. Right? And though that line of death was in the international water. So the United States was like, all right, bet, cool. And so they went across the line. <laughs> Libya launched uh, MiG-23s, and we shot them down. We, we shot their pilots down and killed them. And then some people in the know knew about that in uh, the Gulf of Sidra incident, I believe it's called. And... So that last part of Top Gun is around around that. So I said that to say, we're always at war, right? Yeah. Like I said, anyone in the military community, like Bill Cooper was, would know. It's like it's not a stretch to say, like, we're gonna be at war two or three countries at the same time pretty soon here, dude. That's like, I'll, like when I joined the Air Force, we were at, uh, Operation Desert Fox was happening, the war in Kosovo. Remember, okay, we had joined yeah. the war in Kosovo, and when I joined, Jesus, I. 
I didn't even remember that we yeah. did all that. Exactly, right? Holy shit. Bosnia, a few yeah. years before that. Uh, I, I remember Bosnia because they shot down one of our F-117 stealth fighters, you know, it was, and it was that was big international news that they shot down a stealth aircraft. And it, it was kind of a like a joke to the Bosnians, like, ah, we, you know, we finally got one. We couldn't even see it. We just <laughs> finally, ah, we got you. So, yeah, so there was that conflict. So there had always been conflicts the United States has been involved in. So this prediction, this prediction is one of those things where someone like him can go. You can just you can ascertain that it's going to happen. You can make the prediction, but that doesn't mean that it's like a conspiracy is what I'm saying. (laughs) I guess. Okay, let's talk about his death. Yeah. Okay, let's. (laughs) Now, most of this is going to be taken from. The Wikipedia page. So you can take that with a grain of salt. We don't know who wrote this, okay? And his and that is mainly because his death is like kind of mysterious, right? There's yeah. actually not a lot of information on it. Um at some point he thought that he was being personally targeted by Bill Clinton. Yes. And the IRS. Uh and in 1998 he was charged with tax evasion. Um he was a arrest warrant was issued, but he um eluded repeated attempts to serve it. And in 2000, he was named by a fugitive by the United States Marshal Service. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Bill Clinton don't give a shit about you, bro. He, I think that he did mention him at some point in time in some speech. About Probably like, because a major domestic terrorism yeah. attack happened and they worship the guy that, yeah. you know, this guy. There was a reason that he was named and it wasn't right. that Bill Clinton hated him. <laughs> um, now, was he being targeted by the IRS? Yes, probably so because yeah. you weren't paying your taxes, bro. He was about that life. Yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah. <laughs> If you don't pay your taxes, the IRS will target you, bro. That's kind of how it works. It's, it's a shitty system. I don't like it, but that's, that's how it works. They, they weren't just sitting around saying, you know what? We got to take Bill Cooper out. (laughs) We got to get, Hey, call the IRS. Think about it. If if you were being truly targeted by any agency, uh, Martin Luther King was not targeted by the IRS, was he? He was yeah. talking about the FBI and the CIA. Malcolm X, FBI, CIA. Yep. Uh, Jim Jones, the CIA. Uh, think about all these other people in history that were targeted by the federal government. Not one of them was targeted by the IRS, except for Al Capone, and that was because that was the only thing they, they could get them on. Right? The last yeah. Fucking strong. Yeah. The yeah. FBI had already tried, and they were like, "Look, we can't get him." So yep. they got the IRS on them. They the. The CIA was not targeting you. The FBI was not targeting you. The IRS was targeting you because you didn't pay your taxes. Yeah. So, but he told the world, you know, hey, they're coming after They hate me because they hate me. (laughs) November 5th, 2001, Apache County Sheriff deputies uh, found out that he was at his home in Eager, Arizona. Oh, we got to back it up, though. Okay. Go ahead. I'll let you take this. Okay. Okay, So he, after 1998... The sheriff's office um, didn't know how to approach him because they knew that he was dangerous and they knew he was armed and they weren't entirely sure how to approach this guy with a warrant and arrest him without somebody dying, basically. Um, And he had said multiple times, you know, on air that he was not going down without a gunfight. 
And uh, he even sent his wife and I think he, I'm pretty sure his child uh, to live out of state so that he didn't even have to account for them anymore. Um, So like their safety was ensured. Like he was serious. And they even, if you look on, um, I think it's a Freedom of Information Act piece of text you can find on the internet because it's it's under the FBI vault. Um, there were extensive interviews that they did with anonymous informants that like everything's been redacted uh, where they were asking the best ways to corner him and like his behaviors, what could they expect? Um, and he had, you know, a lot of people, neighbors and friends that did not like him. And they were ready to snitch. I bet. I bet they were. Um, yeah, he had, e- there were emails that they found where he said, uh, I will try to kill as many as I can before they kill me. Yeah. Because, because he knew that, um, actually his his arrest warrant that they were trying to serve was not for tax evasion. It was for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, that's because he had already been. Uh, targeted for the tax evasion. And then on top of that, he would wave his fucking gun around at his neighbors if they pissed him off. So the the way that, I guess the way the firefight happened was, I mean, he tried to, tried to kill him, right? He he said he was going to do it. Um, So I can go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) It was like he had, he hardly ever left his home at that point. He had already like, like stockpiled as much as he could in his Mm -hmm. house so that he could minimize his store runs because he knew that this was, you know, that they were trying to intercept him. And so he, uh, he was coming to where the road was kind of blocked off by what was supposed to look like two pedestrians outside of a car that they couldn't get working or like they had a flat tire or something like that. And he looked at them and knew they were cops like right away. So he couldn't get around them with his car. So he sprinted out around them and was like beelining to his house. And then they had to, you know, their cover was blown. Essentially they knew that he knew. So they start chasing him down. And that's when the gunfight started on his lawn. And he, they, they knew they had to kill him or, get him on the ground before he could step foot in his front door because he had an AK-47 right there next to his front door that he had planned to use on them. He did shoot a cop in the head. Yeah. I I couldn't find if the original news article from 2001 states the deputy was expected to survive. Yeah. I think he did live. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, and they had deferred that arrest warrant for three, for three years. The one for yeah. tax evasion, but I guess after the, uh, the, the aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, which he got because yeah, he had left his property to to threaten someone passing by with a gun. A neighbor walked by and he ran out with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say this though, because I'm not. I don't want to be friends with the cops, but they sent 17 cops, 17 officers from the sheriff's department to get this guy. Like For you said, one dude. This guy's just pick up driving civilians to try and lure him away from his house and, and his weapons, right? Yep. And then um, they thought he would be walking, like, but I guess he was driving. So, yeah. Um, 
I guess he he went around a roadblock, tried to run over a cop, and then <laughs> hopped out of the cop or the car, and then while running, shot a deputy. He was a good shot, I guess. I yeah, know. yeah, he was prepared, man. And that was they had been trying to get him in that sort of sting for that many years, just because they knew it was going to come with casualties. The thing is, is he had predicted air quotes his death at the hands of the government. But doesn't it feel like <laughs> he's like, man, I need one more right prediction for I go. So I'm, so I'm not going to pay my taxes, which is right. illegal. And you know, it, it wasn't even the federal government that came and got him. It was I the know. damn sheriff's department, bro, because you're waving a gun around. But that's, you know, what's really funny is, um, you know, this was at the point of the internet where you could definitely, like, there were message boards. You could interact with other people. It wasn't to the level of social media, but you definitely right, yeah. have open communication. He was notorious for even on the internet being like, I'm going to hunt you down and fucking shoot you myself. <laughs> like, he could not pass up the opportunity to threaten somebody with a fucking gun. <laughs> like, All right, so controversial question. Mental illness. Uh, and I say it's controversial because I don't like to paint uh, people who have mental illness as like these conspiracy theory crazy people are crazy. But I I think it appears to me that he was somewhat suicidal. Like to say, I'm going to kill as many as I can. Yeah. You come out of your house waving guns at people who are just passing by. Um. You essentially isolated yourself to become a hermit and you sit around and you make tapes of conspiracy theories all day. Would would you consider a person who did that to be mentally well? Well, yeah, here's the thing. So and if you compare him to his predecessor predecessors, no, that's the people that came before him. His uh the, uh, the people that came, came after, after him. him. <laughs> all the people that have come after him, Alex Jones, QAnon, yeah. all that stuff. They don't believe the shit that they spew. They Oh don't. no, no, no. It's it's just for the the fame. Yeah, the fame, the money, the whatever. This dude one thousand percent believed he did. what yeah. he was saying. I I'll believe that, yeah. Yeah. And you have to think that this is a person that is definitely consumed by this stuff, right? You would call it a, a, almost obsessive compulsive. Um, right, yeah. Like here he is probably spending the majority of his time reviewing these documents, reading books, trying to, you know, pull things from things that we know today in our internet knowledge. 75% of it's bunk, but uh, 25% of it isn't. And it's like, it, I don't know, right? Because it's he wholeheartedly believed it. There's definitely some signs of maybe OCD, uh, hyperfixation, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. I don't... <sighs> the culture was so different back then, too. Right. You know, so it's almost like he wasn't, I don't think he was the type of person like a David Koresh, like a um, fucking Manson. You know, he wasn't out there to be the center of something necessarily. That's he, true. He was searching. Bill Cooper could have started a cult if he really wanted oh, to. Oh, yeah. 
he could have been a cult leader. He could have popped off like Alex Jones. That's not what he wanted. He I, he was searching for answers and the truth and things that he felt like maybe he could never have. Like he was just always looking for the bottom of that barrel that he just couldn't get right. to. And so like it, I really maybe it did eventually turn into some sort of mental illness. Um, yeah, I'll buy that. I I think it's it's possible. So here's the thing. You know when you're lying or not, right? You know you're telling a lie. Everyone knows if they're lying because that's the whole purpose of lying, right? You're, yeah. you're purposefully saying a, a, an untruth. But it's possible to believe your own lies. Yeah. And you do that enough. <laughs> Costanza. <laughs> yeah. I I think that's what happens. It's not a lie if you believe it. This guy early in his in his career as a you know conspiracy theorist, you know, after his military career, I think that he was telling lies to get into these communities, right? Uh ufology communities, conspiracy theory communities that existed in the internet to stay in the military intelligence community. And as he grew in, in notoriety and popularity, he starts believing some of that stuff, mainly because every once in a while he get one right. Yeah. Right? And I think he, like you said, I think he got kind of consumed with that. Yeah. Um, I, I just find it hard to believe that somebody who would, you know, talk about, hey, man, the feds are, Bill Clinton's gonna show up at my house tomorrow <laughs> to kill me and i'm gonna kill him and anybody else like that roll up on me like whoa bro i'm like sir this is a wendy's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like well i guess taking it back to my last point about uh 9-11 and osama bin laden that was a thing that clicked for me was like there's a lot of questions to be asked here i don't think i'm gonna get the answers and after a few years and a lot of conspiracy documentaries i just got to the point where i was like you know what i'm okay with not knowing exactly what happened here i do think i i have avoided us doing a 9-11 topic uh it's it's too much it it's it's so much. It's a mess, right? Yeah. I do think everything's not on the level when it comes to yeah. September 11th, Nothing, right? No, a lot of it is not what it seems. Right. I, I do have my own theories about what happened. They're not like, like for instance, I, I'll tell you one right now. I do think that some of the buildings um, were purposefully demolished yeah. by whoever after the planes ran into them because we know we know for a fact that there were government agencies in some of those buildings world, world trade center seven for one and there were classified documents in those buildings oh like a contingency plan exactly it, absolutely yeah. exactly you now so now you're gonna have firefighters possibly civilians yeah. in an unsecure area yeah. with access to these buildings now you you have no way to secure that that data, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah blow it up. I I honestly, I hundred percent believe that's why. Because a lot of people are like, why was Wall Trade Center saying? You know, they said it was debris and yeah, and fires that moved over. Okay, okay, yeah, that might be a lie. I I really do believe in a, a controlled demolition happened. It but. looked like one is the thing. Exactly, it, it did. Fucking looks like one. So, but like to think that 
like George Bush and his crony, Illuminati cronies had like some kind of sinister plan to allow the no I don't I don't believe that for no, don't believe that for a second I think it was uh, opportunity right exactly yeah and I mean and I you know I have physically been outside of the academy where those dudes trained um, in learning how to fly because it's like some little podunk town in Florida and we were just driving through and we drove right past it. It is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> like these dudes could have just kept their head low and stayed in motels and gotten pizza delivery for however many weeks they were at this academy and no one no, would have yeah. fucking noticed. Yeah, I think I think with the September 11th predictions, it was more of a, you know, he knew that he knew he was aware of bin Laden. Most I'm telling you, most Americans had no idea who the fuck this guy was before yeah. September 11th was or happened because, you know, most people barely remember the World Trade Center incident in 1993. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that he was aware of Osama bin Laden and knew that there was a likelihood of a major attack in a U.S. city because one had already happened before. Yeah. So. That I just don't think that that was a reach. Well, but. he I and I don't think he even was saying like outright like this isn't going to be something that is or this is going to be orchestrated by the government. Well, he did say it. But Bin Laden would be blamed for yeah. the attack, but don't you believe it? Okay. Well, first of all, Al Qaeda came out and said they did it. Yeah. So, okay. And it wasn't, yeah, he's kind of the, the main guy, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> he like, yeah, he did not <laughs> deny that it was him. But if he didn't do it, then... See, here's what I hate about theories like this. You're kind of vague on the, the key details. The who, yeah. what, when, where, why. Okay, you said oh, Bin Laden's going to be blamed, but don't believe it. So, so who, who who's doing it? Yeah. But who's the who? You don't you don't know. You tell us the government... Because if just come out and say that, just come out yeah, and say that. Yeah, but it was it's, the government. You, you need to like maintain that. All right, level don't you of, believe it? Yeah. Like, all right. Yep. If I stay ambiguous, then I'll be right later. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because let's say it wasn't the government. It was let's say it was uh, the French or whatever. Yeah. Uh, then hey, I, I didn't say it was the U.S. government, right? <laughs> I just said somebody. So I, somebody that somebody wasn't been lying. Um. But yeah, I, but that's, we say all that to say <laughs> that I, I feel like we all, everyone who is a critical thinker, uh, goes down this path at some point in time, right? You start to look into like what, um, what history may have gotten wrong or like what you were taught anyway was wrong and like, what's the deeper levels here. And I, I don't think that a lot of people end up in the same situation as him. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's, it's gotta be something where he just, it's almost like he was just like empty inside. Like he couldn't fill that void. I have more questions and more conspiracies that I need to happen. No, you don't. Cause yeah. they all lead back to one place. Aliens, <laughs> aliens, aliens, aliens. Right. Um, Although he did move away from ufology and UFO conspiracies. He had kind of abandoned that when he got popular with um, the militias. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. That was like his new cash cow now, right? Yeah. 
So it was he, it, which is very telling to me, right? Like when you wrote "Behold the Pale Horse," you were like, "Hey man, aliens, Kennedy, yeah, all kinds of shit." And then kind of buckshot, yeah. Now little stick, <laughs> you've got these militias buying your book and listening to your radio show, and you're like, "Oh, okay, forget, forget that." But now government is. Uh, remember when I said "Behold the Pale Horse"? The government is, you know, it's kind of like, eh. You know what about this stuff you said though, man? Yeah, you told us aliens were coming. Where are they at? Yeah, which I mean, the X Files I felt like really ran with his ideas. Okay, like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about his pop culture impact, real quick. Yeah, because the X Files, it was like they were like, man, we need an idea for a show. Hey, man, you ever read this book? Okay, there we go. Well, There's a show. So, do you know how that started? Or the, or the first season of the X Files? So, the X Files. If you go back to the first season and watch it, the first few episodes, or I would say for the first half of the season, is all very like Monster of the Week. Yes, Monster of the Week. I yeah. remember. Yeah. Well, so when Jillian uh, Anderson got pregnant, they needed a like a continuity right, they, gap. So right. yeah, so that's when the whole cons- that he like he just found Behold a Pale Horse and yeah. he was like, okay, but on the flip pages, we're doing this. <laughs> um, they they even mentioned him in um a lot of the episodes. It, so in the X-Files universe, the John F. Kennedy assassination theory is true. He was assassinated by aliens to prevent the uh, revealing the existence yeah. of aliens. So, I mean, X-Files, they were like, yes, this guy. They really, yeah. There was, yeah. you know, the alien hybrid story that was from William Cooper. Like, there were quite a few ideas that they just took and, and ran. And you could even say that Mulder was a very Cooper-esque Oh, it was. Yeah, figure. definitely. Definitely was. Yeah. Except in the X-Files universe, all this shit was real. Yeah. <laughs> in the Disquietude universe, <laughs> it looks kind of bullshit. <laughs> right? I um, don't know, though. The, the, so that's going to get me down the whole, like, a lot of the things that happen in the X-Files have actually happened now, like, technologically speaking. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Remember when the Zika virus scare was, like, a really mm-hmm. big thing? They were releasing genetically modified um, mosquitoes that if that's they, right, yeah. yeah, if they bred with the other mosquitoes, that they would have, like, weak clutches mm-hmm. and die. So, like, that would, there was a whole, like storyline on the x-files about genetically modified bees and how like if they sting you something i don't remember they inject you with some weird that was in, was in the movie i think so yeah, yeah the- they carry it on into like another season too um so yeah there was like that's just off the top of my okay, head okay so but there's- uh, so we have bill cooper to thank for the x-files <laughs> I, that's great i i, I was a big i was a big x-files fan yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so Okay, so props to him on that. And that's probably why, like, because I watched it a lot as a kid, and then, like, reading this book, a lot of it probably felt very, like, yes. comforting. Oh, my God, I remember this from x Yeah, crazy, bro. Oh, this feels familiar. Oh, my God. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's also one other area of pop culture that Bill Cooper is very popular in that kind of bugs me, and it's hip-hop. <laughs> As you stated earlier, uh, Kill Army, and I, I just looked at it. It was Kill Army. Uh, they have a weapon called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Mm-hmm. That's like a direct reference. And, well, Bill Cooper's been referenced by a ton of artists. Fucking um, Buster Rhymes gave CeeLo Green the book. Yeah. On, like, tour. So, I, I'm like... 
this bothers me because hip hop, one of the the themes of hip hop is rebellion against oppression. Yeah. And uh, it's always been, a lot of people don't realize this, but hip hop is, is not derivative from any other uh, musical genre or culture, but in fact, it's an amalgam of different ones. Yeah. In the early days of hip hop, heavy, heavy punk and disco influence. Hip hop was essentially punk and disco moved into urban communities. Yeah. Right? I, I guess I can kind of see why the hip hop community would latch on to Bill Cooper because Behold of Your Horse is pretty punk, honestly. It, yeah. it just kind of is, right? Fuck the government, fuck the, you know, the media kind of thing. So I get it. But at the same time, like, I think if you, as we've shown, if you read this book objectively and pick out the right things, then you're like, okay, this is, most of this is bunk. But but some of it is good to to chew on, I guess. Yeah. Thing. Um, there were other books that they could have read. There's other, know. and plus I think the fact that this book was co-opted by domestic terrorists, white supremacist militias. Yeah. Was, feels kind of icky to me considering that like, that's a commonality with hip hop now. Like, white supremacist, white supremacist, domestic terrorism, and Busta Rhymes both love yeah. the whole pale horse, right? It's like, yeah. for different reasons, maybe, but I, I don't know. That just always just kind of... But Kaisa, don't uh, you see? Uh, that's how we bring the democracy back together. That's true. Which <laughs> it, That is a, actually an interesting point about this book. Because I think everyone, everyone agrees that the government continuously oversteps their boundaries. Yes. And it, and it is in the best interest of the government to oppress us. Yes. Right? Whether it's in a subtle manner or overtly. Everyone agrees on that. The problem, however, <laughs> is, I guess... What you do with those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So saying, man, the government is oppressive. I think everyone will agree with that. And then blowing up a federal building and killing children. Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on, bro. You could have picked a better spot, man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There are different ways to go about (laughs) doing this. um, Yeah. That's what makes this book so fascinating honestly is that two people can pick this book up and read it and get two completely different yeah vibes from it. well and also you know it kind of lends to that how he doesn't a lot of the information he just puts in raw he makes yeah. his own mm-hmm. minor edits yeah. and like yeah you could have two totally different people looking at it coming to similar but then also very different conclusions That's true. He even says in the book many times, I leave you to your own conclusions, which is kind of a bullshit way of hedging your bets. Yeah. Honestly, but he does do that. Like, hey, I'm just giving you the information and you do with with it what you will. That's kind of irresponsible, in my opinion, (laughs) isn't it? Um, Well, I will say that in this era of like 20 plus years of having no real news media that is without any bias, bias whatsoever correct, right, yeah. 
Sometimes I fucking miss that. Just give me the yeah. fucking information. Well, but you know what? There's a information without context to me is is misinformation right because so you know being in the military we see a lot of classified stuff i talk about this a little last last episode like the skunk works being able to see when i worked on the f-22 when it was classified and i didn't see anything that i thought was like oh my god i'm gonna you know i need to tell the world about this but uh depending on your job you will have access to information that you know, it's classified and a lot, sometimes you will get a classified brief and, or, or they will tell you like for, I'll give you a perfect example. I may have mentioned this on the show before, but when I was, um, on my, one of my the second or third deployment, we had gone to, um, the Turkey and this was before September 11th. Okay. Um, and during my deployment, there was the 2000 election. So we all remember oh what a cluster that was, yeah. right? Uh, hanging chads and all that business. Now, what we were doing in Turkey was what was called Operation Southern Watch. We'd fly jets over the southern no-fly zone. So essentially, during the, Iraq was only allowed to fly jets over Baghdad. That was it. And even then, it was, you know, you might get shot down. But northern Iraq, you could not fly anything but civilian aircraft in lower Iraq or southern Iraq you were not allowed to the the reason for this from the United States was that we were protecting the, the Kurds from ethnic cleansing because Saddam Hussein was known to um you know just kill those people I I don't I'm not I don't really buy that because it's like okay so he can't do it via airplanes now I mean yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking sending j- troops yeah. to go kill those people, right? People in a truck with guns, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but that was that was the official political stance. Okay, so that's what we were doing in Turkey, Operation Southern Watch. Typically, the planes would fly in the morning, daytime sorties. It'd go up. They would patrol the no-fly zone. My squadron's mission was to um, do what they call suppression of enemy air defenses. So radar sites that fire surface-to-air missiles, our squadron would go in, we'd look for those, and we would destroy them if they were targeting our aircraft. And normally it was kind of like a cat-and-mouse game, without getting too technical about how radars work, but essentially the radar operator, Mike, would turn the radar on, and our planes would go, ah, I see you, and we would target them, and then they'd turn the radar off. And they would do that back and forth a million times a day. Very rarely did any actual combat happen because they knew if they shot a missile at us, it was on. It, that's yeah. that's it, right? So this went on for for months. Of course, planes go up, planes come down. We we drink and be merry because actually Turkey, even though it's an Islam country, you could drink alcohol. So it was always a good time. <laughs> um, but. During Ramadan, the Islam holiday of Ramadan, the United States, it's actual our actual policy that we don't fly missions over Islam countries during their holidays. Oh, wow. Right. right? So go figure. We're we're actually the nice guys in that regard. Respect to thoughtful king. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So during Ramadan, which is maybe four or five days, we didn't fly any missions. And it was cool for us because that's like a holiday for us. That was like time off. We didn't really have anything to do but drink some more. Right. The day Ramadan ended, okay? The day Ramadan ended, we flew a sortie. Guess what happened? 
They shot at us. Damn. Okay? They shot at one of our planes, and it was on. So I remember the plane came back, because normally the planes come back with their full missiles, air ground munitions. And I remember people were real excited because the the ops people, they can hear, they already know what, what's happened right? yeah. in real time. So word had gotten down, hey man, I think we actually fired a missile. Everyone was like, what? Fired a missile? Planes come down, they ain't got no missiles on them. And it's like the scene out of Top Gun where everyone's like, yeah, cheering and shit. That's how I was on the flight line. Everyone's <laughs> like, yay, like grabbing around the jet while it taxis in and it's got, it's got no missiles. So we found out that what happened was that one of the Iraqi sites targeted one of our our planes, we targeted him back. He didn't turn his radar off. And he fired uh-huh. a missile, and our pilots evaded the missile, returned fire, and destroyed the SAM site. Uh, it was on a plane that my crew loaded. We actually got a medal for it. The the some politician came and actually awarded us <laughs> a medal. Thank you. Thanks for killing brown people, guy. Was it Strom Thurmond? Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> So, um, so what happened was that after something like that happens, they gather the squadron together and you have a classified brief and they tell you what happened. And they said, do not mention this to your families back home or anybody. This is a classified brief. You do not tell them what happened. Okay. Fair, fair enough. We get classified briefs all the time. Yes. It would have been exciting to call my wife and be like, Oh, we actually blew some shit up. Like, yeah. Cause at that point I've been a weapons troop like three years and I had not seen anything blow up except for on a range. So it was kind of cool, but okay. Well, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. Well, I had to rotate back out to the United States for a family emergency. I had a family member pass. And so I go back to the United States and I'm sitting there watching TV and now, at this point, this was Ramadan was in December, okay? I rotated back to the States in February. Okay. So, George Bush had been president, like, what, two, Five three six. weeks? Yeah. <laughs> News report, George Bush orders an airstrike against Iraqi military Man, targets. Yeah, I'm like, huh? And, and they show the 79th Fighter Squadron, which was, the, I'm like, what? So, I call my guy in Turkey. Hey man, y'all still blowing up shit? He's like, what you talking about, dude? We ain't worked in like weeks, man. We're packing up to come home. I'm like, you said on the news that y'all, he's like, no. Nah, we- this is wag the dog, wag yeah. the dog. They kept that secret. <laughs> Those assholes. Until it was right to tell the American yes, people. Because he wasn't even president yet when that happened. No, he wasn't. Yeah, uh, uh, Bill Clinton was still president. So this was to make him look good. This was to make... Uh. This was to make President Bush look like he was hardline against Saddam Hussein by saying we blew up. This is a so true. That, this is a true story. I'm telling y'all. This ain't a conspiracy. This is like yeah. real shit. Like so that was already that was they were locked. They were so pushing I, that I, shit down I, the Yeah, pipeline. I said that to say the military and the government will keep information secret until the time is right. That is why context. I said all that to say. Context is important. Yeah. If I just told you that, you know, well, you know, we, we we carried out a strike on Iraqi targets back in December, you'd be like, okay, okay, whatever. All right. But if you wrap it in a context, yeah, you know, like, hey, I we George Bush did no George Bush did not <laughs> did Dude, not do that. This is. Totally unrelated, but it just made me think of this story. So, and I may have even shared this on the podcast before. I don't know, but 
this was like many, many years ago, probably 10 years ago at this point that one of my friends um, has been a club manager for a long, long time. And he's worked all over the Southeast. He's run a bunch of clubs. He's run into famous people, et cetera, et cetera. He looks at me and I literally, this was it, like I said, at least 10 years ago. And he was like, I don't like that Kevin Spacey dude. And I was like, what do you mean? Why don't you like him? This is like, you know. <laughs> what? Um, you don't like Kaiser Sose? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I was dude. Like, you don't, did you ever see Seven? You, no, yeah. you still. And he was like, no, man, let me tell you about this one night where I was at this club and he came in and everybody was like, you know, not allowed to talk to him, not allowed to make eye contact with him. You know, it starts out as a very normal story that he's telling me like, oh, he sounds kind of like, like an asshole. Then he gets to cut mm. to there is a man outside with two very young looking boys who don't speak English. And this guy is clearly their handler. Wow. And Kevin Spacey is going to chat up these two boys at the back of our restaurant. And he said that he immediately was like, absolutely the fuck not. Not in my establishment. He was trying to kick them the fuck out. And he was told by people more powerful than him, like, no, you can't do anything. It's Kevin Spacey. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, cut to several years later. later. Yep. Yeah, like, it's just, I heard that story, creeped me the fuck out, never watched anything with him again, couldn't do it, and then, wow, lo and behold. Wow. Yeah. Context is important. Context is important. important, right? <laughs> That's all we're trying to say here. Context <laughs> is important when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the facts. And that's why you know, when you give context, it allows people to... It, it kind of removes bias or, or places bias. And like, if you just give the facts, which is what Bill, uh, Bill Cooper did here without any context, then it allows him to be ambiguous. And then yeah, put the correct context or what, you know, later, well, like, Hey, yeah. I told you guys that, but you didn't give all the proper context like that. Osama bin Laden had already attacked a major U S city yeah. in 1993 or, uh, yeah, the U.S. would be in war in two or three countries, but we already are in war at two and three countries or those conflicts have been kind of brewing. It's not it's not it wasn't certainly wasn't a reach to think that we would be back at war in the Middle East. Yeah. I mean, we've been warring in the Middle East for 40 years now, so or 20 years. Well, and point, even so. to say that I foresee something happening with Osama bin Laden and like looking at that through the eyes of, you know, even with like. A military operation can happen in December and we hold on to that information for three months until it's convenient. It's like, yeah, the military was looking for him. And yes, the military probably knew exactly where he was if CNN mm -hmm. could find him. Right, yeah. But obviously they were looking for an in in the Middle East. And to leave an outlier out there like that, that stirs up. Uh, disorganization and cripples some of their local governments with that disorganization. Like, yeah, they they probably did leave them there to fuck around and and keep some nations destabilized so that we could easily come in there and and gut it later. Um, Barnes and Noble has stated that this is the most shoplifted book <laughs> in their history. <laughs> Behold the pale horse. I guess you can buy it on street corners. Like I said earlier, it's kind of fallen in. I don't know if it's officially public domain, but it's it's fallen in essentially public domain. 
Uh, now, although you can still buy it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you can steal it. Um, <laughs> if you even still have one in your city, yeah, some somewhere. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, this like I said, this book is fascinating because it's got some appeal to everyone. Yeah, it really does. If you're a racist, <laughs> yeah. If you like rap music, if you have a distrust of the government or authorities in general, if you have a distrust of the media, if you think TikTok is going to start the next Cold War. Oh, my God. Isn't it crazy that I might cut this and, and leave this for for subscribers only, but isn't it crazy that, like, the linchpin of the next major Cold War will be TikTok? It's, so I hope you don't cut this because I wanted to talk about we had the Patriot Act in 2001. There was the Patriot Act 2. Now we're on the Restriction Act, which is to – it's for our government to keep up with social media, uh, basically. Like, there are no laws right now in place uh, that have any major impact on how social media has developed over the past right, yeah, years. Right, yeah, not sure. Um, but what they want to do <clears> – <throat> coupled with the laws that are passing in Florida where it's going to be considered slander to tell someone that they're racist or homophobic or anything like that on the internet. Mm. So what they're trying to push through and they're using TikTok as the umbrella to cover what they're doing, they're trying to push through uh, making it illegal for any like I think the number was like a mil- if there's a million Americans using a platform and at any point they use that platform to organize in any way, they're going to be able to shut the platform down. Um, so they're essentially trying to put the kibosh on anything that happened with Black Lives Matter, Me Too, anything that became a social movement through social media. They're trying to now in retrospect, figure out a way to throw us all in jail um, over these things. Like they're, it's to the point where they're like, it's not just uh, if you if you use a VPN to go around uh, that. So say like say they ban TikTok effectively, right? You use a VPN to try and get on TikTok. That is that comes with a like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. And then also imprisonment. I uh, yeah. Um, Bill Cooper would he would love. Oh yeah. This he'd be fucking drooling. I I think a lot of things can be true here. While I don't think that the Chinese are weaponizing TikTok directly, they're also not stupid. Yeah. And they understand that. It can be a weapon, not in the way that the government thinks. Yeah. For instance, it's estimated that 150 million Americans use TikTok. How do you think a war with China is going to go with 150 million people who think that the outcome of that war will determine whether or not they can use this platform that they love? Yeah. The, the most effective weapon against a warring state is its own people. That's what the Vietnam War taught us. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the United States was not successful in the war 
for a lot of reasons. It was a proxy war they didn't need to be in, but the fact that they weren't able to get support from their own people, so they weren't able to allocate resources properly, and they couldn't get the buy-in for a lot of initiatives that might have ended the war more quickly because politicians were afraid of what their constituents might think if they had directly supported their war. The same thing will happen if there is a war with China. Oh, yeah. People will go, well, I got to have my TikTok. <laughs> what are y'all doing? If, if China, if China, if, if we went to war with China and China said, okay, you know what? Because we're at war, we're, we are going to, you can't connect to TikTok in the United States. People will fucking lose their minds. They would lose their goddamn minds. Oh, they already are. Yeah, yeah. They, they would lose. They and they and they would say, "Well, pss, fuck this war. I want my TikTok." That's exactly what people would say. China knows that. They they know that. Yeah. So they, I, I do believe that they, they didn't create TikTok with the intent of destabilizing the American people, but they but they realize that it oh, is it's- it is it's a tool. I think what has them so fucking shook about TikTok is that the algorithm is so much it it like taps your dopamine like no other it does. social yeah. mm-hmm. media does. And it's because they only show you the shit that you have engaged with, yep. the shit you like, and it at no point do they ever try like what my- It's all uh, here's the thing about TikTok versus like Facebook or Instagram. Facebook or Instagram, you see everything, even even though the algorithm tries to get like you said, things you've engaged with. But you see every every stupid meme that I post. Yeah. You, you see everything, right? So you have to scroll to get to something that you like and then you engage with it and you go to the next thing. You don't do that on TikTok. As soon as you open the app it's, you know, the shit you like. It's, yeah, yeah, the bam. shit you want. And then you just go. Guess what? Guess what is right there? More shit you like. Yeah, and it's a little <laughs> sound bite. It is no longer than three minutes. Bam, next. Yeah. Bam, next. Bam, next. And you could just spend hours there and there's, not see something you don't like. There's something. There's been studies conducted, and there's even been things that have been outed from Facebook, where Facebook has directly tried to fuck with people's mental health they will like push you lower in feeds and try to get Mm -hmm. like the people on your friends list to disengage from whatever you're putting Mm -hmm. to make you fucking depressed that was a thing they did yeah they none of i don't there's no good social uh, moral social media i say so you know a lot of people are saying that it's it's hypocrisy for the united states to say what they're saying about tiktok when you know, Google, Facebook, which is absolutely 100% true. Um, so I, I don't think I, like banning TikTok is such a because it's a because it's Chinese is so weird to me, considering that, like, look around this room. I guarantee 75% of the shit in this room was made China. in China. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. There will. I don't think there'll ever be a war with the Chinese because I don't think we could fucking afford it. Well, we, if there's one thing the United States could afford, it's war. No, I'm saying like in terms of import. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, they'll, yeah. The, the Chinese know that they are so important to our economy and vice versa. Yeah, if China does not want to go to war with us because if we say, you know what, 
no more Chinese shit. Well, who are they gonna sell their yeah. stuff to? Like, it's, we would be absolutely. It, it's 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 always it, it's it's very odd to me that the United States and China has such a symbiotic relationship, but they're two different sides of the political spectrum. Yeah, of the capitalism coin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. You, two different wings of the same shitty ass bird, yeah. right? Y'all just do. You both do shitty stuff, but you you just do it differently. Yeah, it, it's really, yeah. it's like just just fucking kiss and make up and just and be <laughs> friends. Like the whole the whole fact that when Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan and China's like ready to go to war over, and I'm like, no, y'all aren't. Yeah, first of all, you're not. You're not. <laughs> it's Nancy yeah. Pelosi. Yeah, you're not. Okay, so you think that Taiwan belongs to you, and you hate the fact that we that we recognize Taiwan as an independent entity. You're not going to war over that because you guys need to make iPhones in order for in order for you to go to war. Yeah, you got to be able to make iPhones, and we need iPhones over here <laughs> because we need tick. We need something to watch TikTok, TikTok on, right? <laughs> Bill Cooper would love he'd. He killed he 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 killed himself because he he I'm as far as I'm concerned he killed himself right yeah right killed himself twenty years too early uh, yeah honestly like I wonder what things would look like right now if we didn't have Alex Jones and we had him in his place like it I almost feel I, like I don't know I think he would have become the next Alex Jones I th- I feel I feel like he would too but it almost scares me a little bit to have someone who is slightly more legitimate in that position yes yeah that's somebody who is more of a rational thinker your great point because i think that alex jones people either dismiss him completely or they latch on to him do you yeah. never hear anybody say well but you know he's got some good no, no. yeah nobody, nobody says about alex jones <laughs> right it's either like man fuck that guy or it's, or if he has a good point it's because it's a broken right thought, exactly right? either either you're all in on alex jones or, or you're all out right yeah. whereas i think bill cooper as we as we've Discussed, you could have a toe in the water yeah. with Bill Cooper. And he would be a dangerous person. Yeah, honestly. oh, he would be. I feel um, like January 6th, so oh, say we follow the same line of events, yeah. it would have been all those scary I want. I wonder what he would have thought about January 6th. I think he would have supported it, but not the people that were, like, this 50% of people that were there. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think that he would... He wouldn't have been a fan of Trumpers. He, no. Like the whole cult of personality thing, yeah. it was he 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 preached against that, right? I don't think he was. But he would have been all in on on January sixth. I don't think he was racist. I don't think that he was sexist. Um, no, I don't. I don't think he was either. I yeah. think he was. Um, like I, I don't think it was his intent to rile up domestic terrorism directly yeah like but but at the same time in his book he says we gotta wake up yeah because we gotta do something well what do you want us to do oh Bill? he wanted something yeah. yeah what do you want us to do okay well i'm gonna blow up this federal building which I, I i tried to look to see if i could see what you know what he, his thoughts on the oklahoma city bombing but he wasn't that stupid yeah so, right did. yeah i think he said something i th- i think i also found something where it was just something along the lines of i think that guy listened to me at some point right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so he, he wasn't ready to come out and be like I, yeah i support that no he no he, he, <laughs> he just acknowledged that he existed and he was exactly <laughs> so um <sighs> okay all right so here's here's the moment of truth 
behold a pale horse bullshit <sighs> tell you what I, I'll, I'll give you an out what's the percentage of bullshit okay okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm not gonna go conservative I'm not gonna go conservative I'm gonna say forty percent <laughs> 40% uh, things that are grounded in reality. So 60% bullshit. Yeah. I, okay, I'll live with that. It, the, he hedges his bets too much. He does. He he really does. It, I think if... Um, if he was more... Like, confident about some of his own stuff that he puts in the book. But he's not. I think if, even if he just edited, just fucking yeah, edit. Exactly. Like he was in that place where everything was a question mark, right? I don't know if this is true or not. I feel like maybe it has something to do with something. We're just going to throw it in the book. But it's like, no, just edit down what you feel is the most compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go 40% grounded in reality. In maybe even less than that is actual reality. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say 40% at least has some kind of basis that you can hang your hat on. Um, less than that, because there are some, like, you know, CIA mind control. Okay, we know NKUltra was a thing. Uh, CIA moving drugs in the neighborhoods. You know, CIA agents have come out and said, yeah, that's, you know, hey, yeah, that was true. I still think his conspiracies on HIV and AIDS are pretty close to the target. I feel like um, we may never know that, but I think those things, you know, he, he, he did say some things were bullshit down the line. There was, he did push this line of um, majesty 12 or the majestic, oh, the majestic 12. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about it extensively. And he said that he had found the executive order where they, uh, you know, drafted it to kill Kennedy or something like that. And then he looked at the number of the executive order uh, because it looked, you know, it looked real enough. And then I guess apparently with all presidents, uh, all executive orders are numbered consecutively. Mm. And he looked at the number of the executive order and realized that it was not, it didn't exist yet. Wow. Yeah. So he was like, okay, okay. So this is bullshit. You know, though, I mean, most conspiracy theorists wouldn't even do that. Like say, yeah. okay, guys, I was I was wrong on this one. Yeah, they would try and restructure their, uh, you know, prediction or their belief. That's belief what we're to, used to now. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Spin. Yep. No spin with Bill Cooper. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like if we even had one one person around now that was nearly as compelling in terms of like journalism or conspiracy theories or whatever who offered that level of like i'm not gonna spin this this was actually bullshit i'm sorry like i don't even know where we'd be at this point right yeah i don't know what well, i don't know it's it also it's such a different time than when bill cooper was alive i don't I just don't know if you could if you could ever have someone as influential as him to such a, a vast majority of different types of people. Yeah. Um, you get today we have your Alex Jones, you know, yeah. you're, you're one side or the other. Right. And Bill Cooper would agree with me on this. I think that's by design, either the government or the media. You got to pick a side. Right. They, they've, yeah. they've made it so where you have to pick a side. Either you're, you're woke 
or you're not well you know i mean it's they're you see they're blaming that on like 2016 and russian bots and blah 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 but if you really think that nah, it's been like that for a yeah, long it's time hot yeah fucking minute it's but, been I, honestly since the 2000 election is what i feel yeah. like and i know that it's always been us versus them a little bit before that but that i feel like was that such was a divider. seminal point yes of of the beginning of us versus them and and after september 11th a lot of people will say well look september 11th brought us together did, did it, it? <laughs> right yeah did it though <laughs> did it because i remember people going out wanting to kill muslims and yeah. you know it was okay who who did it unite americans yeah. really oh so they just stopped killing the cops stop shooting black people because of september 11th <laughs> right finally that's all it took no like the racist is just you know i guess maybe they deferred they just deferred their racism you know however having said that i suggested everyone go out and read the book i i, I think everyone should at least read it, it you if nothing else you get a good laugh from it's it, right? entertaining it is yeah it, it really is uh and then you might get some insight uh from it so all right, I think I think we've gleaned the cube on Bill Cooper uh in 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 a two-part episode. Yeah. So um This is probably our deepest dive. Yeah, de- definitely. That de- maybe since uh um Alistair Crowley maybe yeah, was yeah. yeah. So um but yeah, next week listeners, I promise we will get to something less political <laughs> and more scare more scary. We we're, we're going to get to scare I need to get back to scary stuff. Okay. We haven't done it. We didn't do like any scary shit all last year. Oh so no, we didn't. We like didn't. So, um, um, yeah, we're gonna get back to the scary stuff. Awesome. So. All right. Well, hopefully you hear our lovely voices next week. Bye.